The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right, we're back for another COVID is waning and derby fever is catching on. Hi, everybody. You're listening to Winning Ponies, and we greatly appreciate it. And I've got some really good guests coming up. Uh, covering the West Coast uh, will be none other than the Daily Racing Forms author, handicapper, Brad Free, who's been on with us before, but it's been a while. But that's his gig is to cover the West Coast. So uh, we've got some unbelievable racing. Let me just uh, 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 tell you that uh, since he'll be covering uh, the races out at Santa Anita, they have five stakes and four of them are graded. Then we've got the guy covering the Eastern Coast tracks. Uh, you've probably seen him a lot on Fox Sports, maybe TVG, maybe NBC. Uh, he seems to be popping up all over the place. We first had him on about mm, five, six years ago. And since then, Jonathan Kinchin uh, has become a household world in the world of handicapping. Uh, really a fun guy to watch, a heck of a handicapper. And he'll be covering uh, the uh, races uh, from the East Coast. And at Aqueduct on Saturday, there are four stakes, and two of them are graded. Not bad at all. Then we're going to go down for the Tampa Bay Derby, I do believe. And Tampa Bay is going to have a sensational card with five stakes and four of them graded. Woohoo! The wintertime blues are gone, ladies and gentlemen, because the good racing has returned. So we've got two outstanding handicappers, Brad Free and Jonathan Kinchin, uh, to take us through some of the top races. Of course, uh, the Derby Prep at Aqueduct will be the Gotham uh, this is a race that the first horse that ever won it was Native Diver and a Native Dancer, rather. And uh, a nice horse, big red horse by the name of Secretariat won this race. Uh, but the Gotham uh, should be very interesting. Um, and uh, there's reasons to make cases for several in there. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, big derby race uh, at Santa Anita will be uh, Bob Baffert taking on Bob Baffert. <laughs> That's right. Life is Good, who is currently being touted as uh, uh, the second derby favorite, uh, will face his stablemate, Medina Spirit. Now, these two did square off in the grade three sham, uh, but since then, Medina Spirit's come back and won the grade three Robert B. Lewis from wire to wire. Uh, life is good has not been out since the uh, sham, but has had some eye popping workouts, uh, which I'm sure uh, we'll get a chance to uh, discuss with Brad Free. So those are those are the two biggest derby preps. We've also got oak preps in there. And so with all of those, uh, you know, and, and those are just the three tracks I named, we're looking at uh, 15, 14 stakes 
and about half of those are graded. So it's going to be a great weekend of racing. So what do you do? What do I do, John? I've got all this racing. How do I pull down the winners? Well, you just go to winning ponies. You pull down our easy win forms and uh, hopefully got a hunch, bet a bunch. We can give them to you because we had them from all over the place last week. Uh, how about Mahoning Valley in uh, eastern Ohio? Had a 50-cent pick five uh, that uh, paid 2656 Let's go about as far away from there as you can. It's Santa Anita, and we caught a 50-cent pick five that paid Two thousand three hundred and sixty-two, and then we had uh, uh, two winners at Penn National. I'll pick the richest. The twenty cent each uh, bet, a uh, super five for twenty cent super five. You get back two thousand three hundred and thirty-one dollars. Now, if you think I'm blowing smoke, folks, go over to WinningPonies.com and check it out because we do post uh, the uh, latest results up there, and it is very reasonable. You're going to need it uh, this week so um yeah that's what's uh setting the table real quick before we get to some fantastic races that were run last week i always tell you there's late breaking news just before the show and about uh two and a half hours ago it was uh broadcast that protesters disrupted the racing at golden gate so uh, anti-racing protesters, uh, here's what they did. They laid on the racetrack, delaying the races and uh, jeopardizing the whole Thursday card. And uh, it was live streamed by organizers, direct action everywhere, day on social media. So the protesters scaled the fence about uh, three furlongs away from the finish line. And uh, they locked arms in a circle. Hey, this was kind of brilliant. Um, they put PVC pipe over their arms. So you couldn't just, I don't know what the, they had handcuffs. I don't know what was wrapping their arms together. But you couldn't just get to it real easy because of the PVC pipe. Hey, I'll give you points on that, guys. But I'll also give you points for being real jerks. And because of your stupid opinion, uh, upsetting a day and the profits for many, many people involved in the game of racing. So, um now, the police showed up about uh, 2 in the afternoon. Again, this is Pacific time. And then uh, at 3.15, now that was two and a half hours after the scheduled first post, uh, announcer Matt Dinnerman announced that the first race was canceled and a decision on the remaining six races would come later in the afternoon. And by 4.30 now, uh, no races had been run, though an official cancellation has not been made. I didn't get a chance to check on that before the show because I was running out of time, everybody. But uh, so, uh, you know, the d direct action people, they're on Facebook live streaming. It was in a response to the high number of equine deaths at the Northern California track. Well, last year, albeit, Golden Gate had 27 fatalities. Now, with those fatal deaths, do you think they just did nothing? No. I think they did something because from the 27 number, it went down to five 
Now, four of those were during train error, and the other one was classified as other, which means it could be a barn accident or uh, the horse could have passed away from colic. So we just don't know. But I think Golden Gate's done an outstanding job at, at uh, making things better for the horses there. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, these people are outside with megaphones screaming at passing motorists. I got news for you, folks. If they're passing motorists, they weren't coming into Golden Gate anyhow. So, uh, once again, these people do not give uh, the thought into uh, whose lives they're uh, affecting. If, uh, if, if racing is damaged, so are the careers of so many people on the backstretch and owners that decide to go someplace else and take their horses away from trainers. It's, it, it's a bad spiral, and it's a downway uh, spiral. So, uh, anyhow. That's your late breaking news. And if you decide to lock arms, make sure you put your arms through PVC pipe. <laughs> okay. Uh, haven't given the report on the leaderboards lately for the Oaks and the Derby. So let's go ahead and do that. Uh, shooting to the top of the Derby point standings is greatest honor. And we'll get into the phasing Tipton Fountain Youth in uh, just a few minutes here. But greatest honor goes to the top with 60. Behind him are uh, two Brad Cox horses, Mandaloon and last year's two-year-old champion, Essential Quality. And we will be addressing his performance over the weekend in the Southwest. Uh, then there's uh, Midnight Bourbon and Proxy. Now, drain the clock who competed in the Fountain of Youth was not nominated the Triple Crown. Well, right now he's potentially sixth in the standings with 20 points. So uh, I don't have all the information in front of me, but I'm sure there's a late chance to buy into the Derby. And all I can say is they may want to ante up and they may uh, want to think about it again uh, after that race. It was not a bad performance at all. Ended up running second, but uh, the horse might be limited in its distance ability, though without a doubt, it's got a lot of speed. Uh, then we got Keep Me in Mind. We're waiting to see him start. And Spielberg, who put in a strong race last time out, that's Baffert's highest point winner. And then another Asmussen horse, Jackie's Warrior, who competed over the weekend. Then we got Ron Ballour, who we saw run in the El Camino Real at Golden Gate. And uh, then Medina Spirit, who can really up his stock this weekend, as can Capo Kane. So uh, that's a look at the uh, the Derby leaders. Uh, the Oaks, I'll just give you the top five. Clarier, uh, and then Whole Bodie Meister. And not nominated, but finishing third in points was Menasek. And then we've got uh, Travel Column, Crazy Beautiful, and V-Quist, who was a surprise over the weekend. Okay, let's get to some of these races as, as quick as I can. Um, the Fountain of Youth, what a race. If you had a ticket on greatest honor, as they turned for home, you would have torn it up. Uh, uh, Jose Ortiz just kind of, you know took him back and even though he was you know bet down to even money and he just didn't look like for whatever reason he was gonna fire well 
he he rates well and he was a solid closer. Oh my God, you didn't even see him until after the 16th pole and he came flying, running down, drained the clock. Again, a speed horse uh, who was three for three at Gulfstream Park got nailed at the wire and third was Papatou. Now, in the Devonna Dale, that was a Oaks race. Again, this uh, two at Gulfstream Park was upset time. Whole Bodemeister getting the job done after third place finish in the forward gale. And then in the second spot was Milfuel, if I'm saying that correctly. Four or five, yes. And uh, after that, it was Crazy Beautiful. Uh, no, Crazy Beautiful was second. There was a scratch in there. And uh, Competitive Speed was third. Vquist never fired in the race. Now, Robert Reed, the trainer, says, you know, they got back to the barn, checked it out from nose to tail, and the horse is doing fine. But uh, the heavy one-to-two favorite did not get the job done in the Devonna Dale. All right, now we got to go to the biggest ones uh, at uh, Oaklawn Park. It was the Southwest. Essential quality. Last year's two-year-old champion uh, returned to his winning ways, a son of Tappet. So we had uh, two Tappets win big derby preps over the weekend. Um, he, 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 he rated really well. What a ride by Luis Saez. Uh, he kind of stayed down on the rail. He had a break from the one hole. Uh, and as soon as he got him off the rail, he found another gear and Wow. Impressive. Impressive for sure. Now, late rally uh, from a horse that had been going in the wrong direction, kind of from Spielberg, the million dollar baby trained by Bob Baffert, uh, put in a pretty solid late rally in there. And then in the third spot was Jackie's Warrior, who's a speed horse and uh, just kind of got run down in that one. And uh, let's see uh, from there. It was the uh, Bayacoa. That was the following day on Sunday. Hope you got a chance to watch it. Monomoy girl didn't explode, but she got the job done. She is truly a champion. And uh, congratulations to the people at My Racehorse and Spendthrift Farm for uh, keeping this expensive daughter, two-time Breeders' Cup Distaff winner, Monomoy girl in training for all of us to watch. All right. Wish I could have given you some more results, but there were just too many on our plate at one time. All right. Well, we're going to take a little bit of a break here and we come back. We're going to be bread free as free as the wind blows from the daily racing form. Brad free is going to join us. I'm John Engelhart. And you're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick 
bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. It's been way too long since I've had this gentleman on. He covers the beat on the West Coast, does an outstanding job. He's a columnist, I believe author, and a handicapper. None other than the Daily Racing Forms, Brad Free. Brad, how have you been? I'm doing well, John. Thanks for having me on. This is a very busy time of year with the Kentucky Derby right around the corner. We have the handicap division coming into play. Older fillies and mares, you talked about Monomoy Girl in your previous segment. So there's a lot going on in horse racing as winter kind of starts slipping into the rearview mirror, at least in California, and we look forward to spring. So some very good racing up ahead, specifically this Saturday at Santa Anita. It's going to be a great card. Looking forward to it. Well, I'll tell you what, it's all over the country on Saturday. I'm going to be like a a kid with an AAD or something here in front of the TV trying to figure out what track I go to next. But uh, it it should be interesting. Well, before we get to the the races at at Santa Anita, I'm looking forward to that. I got to have you chime in on two big races from last week. Uh, Let's start with the fountain of youth. As I said at the beginning, there was a part of the top of the show. If you had tickets on greatest honor going into the turn, you would have thrown them on the ground. Well, how about this? I had a ticket on drain the clock and I was patting myself on the back, turning for home, (laughs) thinking that I'm a genius and I should have bet more. Um, Greatest (laughs) honor on the far turn, who was the even money favorite he was spinning his wheels and going nowhere, and it looked momentarily like that front runner drained the clock was going to be long gone. But greatest honor ultimately did kick into gear. He won going away. This is going to be a very difficult horse for handicappers to analyze, and I say that because on speed figures, he's not very fast. He earned an 89 buyer speed figure in the Fountain of Youth. That's the exact same speed figure he earned in the Holy Bull. An 89 buyer in February is not very fast for a top class three-year-old. His trainer, Shug McGahee, believes he will improve as the distances increase. And McGahee knows a little bit about getting a horse to the Kentucky Derby. So I guess you have to believe him. But the skeptic in me wants to look at that 89 buyer and think that, you know what, I wonder if greatest honor might be slightly overrated. We're going to find out when he takes on 
collaborate in the Florida Derby next time out and collaborate. He ran off the screen winning a maiden race by more than 12 lengths on the same card that uh, Greatest Honor ran on. So those two are headed for a showdown. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know hold off before I you know ultimately come to a conclusion with regards to Greatest Honor, except to say this: he'll need to run faster as the competition gets better. Well, you've heard it a hundred times. Time only matters when you're in jail, and it ain't what you do, it's how you do it. And I well, was so I... <laughs> impressed with his final 16th of a mile. It's like all of a sudden the light went off. It was like, oh, you want me to run, Jose? Okay. And I just love his stride. Uh, I, I, I love the way he finishes up. And let's face it, Shug McGay's been there, done that. If a guy can, you know, speed or no speed. And you're right. You're right. It's not impressive. We're going to talk about horses that are faster than that tonight, but um, I, I, I just there was something about that horse and the way he looks and the way he ran that uh, kind of gave me goosebumps. Now let's go to the middle of the country, uh, short field in the southwest, a very kind of short points race, but uh, essential quality. Let people know that uh, he's back at the track, baby. Yeah, he's back, and you know he was coming in off a layoff. He had that unbeaten record hanging over his head from his two-year-old season, in which he won the Breeders' Cup. He's trained by one of the m- most successful trainers in the country, Brad Cox. And essential quality going into the Southwest, he looked like he might be up against it because Jackie's Warrior, the very fast Steve Asmussen trainee, looked like he was going to perhaps shake loose and be long gone. But Jackie's Warrior could not stay the trip. Spielberg missed the break completely and essential quality rallied from behind to win going away in a very promising comeback effort. I would have loved to have seen Spielberg break well from the gate, but he, he lost, I don't know, four lengths at least at the start and he did not get beat by that much. So with a clean start, I contend that Spielberg might have given essential quality a battle. But it's moot now. We, uh, we won't really know until they meet again, if they meet again. Meanwhile, essential quality is now four for four, and he's the real deal. He replicated his two-year-old form in his first start at three, and there is nothing about this colt that you can really knock. He wins races. He's relatively fast. He's in good hands. He's getting better. So essential quality yeah, he's one, of, he's one of the top three-year-olds in the country right now. And Brad Free from the Daily Ratings former, I, I, I uh, give a nod to Spielberg. He's a horse that I thought maybe well, is not, never going to be worth his million-dollar price tag. But I was very impressed with the way he finished up after that bad start. And, uh, you know, he's he's in the hands of a guy by the name of Bob Bafford who, likes, like Shug McGahee, uh, knows how to uh, find the uh, the winner circle. Well, um uh, the, the let's move on to, to the races you're going to be facing over the weekend. Um, starting, of course, it, it looks like Bob Baffert in the San Felipe faces uh, his biggest enemy in Bob Baffert. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Baffert has the two of the favorites in the San Felipe. It's race number six on Saturday, and the four to five favorite is life is good. He's two for two. He broke his maiden by more than nine lengths, won his career debut by more than nine lengths, came right back in a grade three mile and led gate to wire. He's two for two. He trains 
like a very special horse in the morning. He hasn't started since early January, but he has been training like a horse with enormous talent. And it'll be up to Jockey Mike Smith to kind of ration this cold speed. He's breaking from the rail on Saturday. And I'm sure that Baffert's not pleased with that post position because one of the things that Baffert has been trying to do in the mornings is get this colt to shut down, to ration his speed a little bit more efficiently rather than turning into a runoff that just goes pedal to the metal all the way. But from the rail on Saturday, Smith has really no option but to go. So life is good. has to pop out of the gate from the, from the rail, and he'll probably lead the field you know, into the first turn. He'll probably lead the field into the stretch. And from there, it's a question of whether or not he can hold off his stablemate, Medina Spirit, or another horse who's actually turning out to be a pretty good, a very interesting three-year-old by the name of The Great One. The Great One finished second in the Low South Futurity, came back and won a maiden race by 14 lengths, and he is fast, and he's going to be breathing down Life is Good's neck all the way. But four or five favorite Life is Good, he should be tough to beat in the San Felipe, but that inside post does pose a potential challenge. You know, uh, there's something I have to ask you that I ask a lot of the handicappers that I uh, have had on featuring, you know, Derby and Oaks races is uh, the Lasix angle. Now, now you mentioned the great one who certainly looked like a great one last time out, but that was first Lasix. And if you want to get in the Derby field, you, and you got to race in races like this without Lasix. Overall, Brad Free, uh, what is been your have you factored into your handicapping uh, have have you seen anything uh, concerning the, these horses not being able to use lasix as two-year-olds three um, you know that's, a, that's an excellent question and we're still kind of early in the no lasix experimental phase in graded stakes races and f- at least for now i'm putting my trust in trainers in good trainers, guys like Baffert and, and Doug O'Neill, um, you know, guys who know how to win races without using those, that medication, Lasix. Um, life is good. He's raced twice. He did not run with Lasix in either of his starts. Same with Baffert's second horse, Medina Spirit. Doug O'Neill trains the great one, and you're right. He added Lasix last time, and he crushed the field by 14 lengths. But his first four starts were without Lasix, including a runner-up finish by a neck in the grade two Los Alamitos Futurity. So I think this is just a three-year-old that's getting better, the great one. And I'm not, I would not make that leap that Lasix was the reason for his improvement. But it's something that we will continue to monitor and you know try to find out if there is any trend. But it's some, if when you're betting on a short price and horses may be making a medication change, that might be reason to temper your enthusiasm from a betting perspective. But as of right now, today, like I said, my trust is going to be in the top trainers, the guys like Baffert, O'Neill, Mandela, guys who know how to win races without using LASIK. Well, Brad, you know, uh, I'll play devil's advocate here. Obviously, the two Baffert horses are standouts, but... I- 
I see two potential sleepers in here, maybe part of the exactly something in uh, the very impressive maiden winner dream shake and of Roman centurion uh, who put in a troubled trip in the uh, Robert B. Lewis behind Madonna spirit and was really putting in a rousing finish there. Uh, Those two horses intrigue me. Well, they should, because they're both good horses with regards to dream shake. You know, his debut sprint win was remarkable. I mean, there was an odds-on favorite in the race by the name of Bezos that was supposed to be the the goods for Baffert, another Baffert so-called superstar. Well, Bezos was up the track, and Dream Shake, trained by Pete Yerton, he won by more than four lengths with a huge buyer speed figure of 96. That was a maiden sprint, and he was treated with Lasix that day. On Saturday, he's going two turns against winners with no Lasix and only a single race foundation. If Dream Shake wins the San Felipe, I will be surprised. Not because I don't think he's a good horse. He clearly is. He has tons of raw ability. But they're asking him to do a lot of things at once. No medication, distance, giving up a seasoning advantage to other good horses. So Dream Shake, I'll be very curious to see how he runs. Um, I hope they're not asking too much too soon uh, from this three-year-old son of twirling candy. As for Roman Centurion, different different situation. He's already started three times. Each race has been better than the one before. He's a son of Empire Maker. Empire Makers tend to get better as the distances increase. And Roman Centurion, last time out, he rallied from last, to finish second by a neck to Medina Spirit. Medina Spirit won that race in gate-to-wire fashion, so Roman Centurion rallied against the grain of the race shape. In a race that was won by the pace setter, Roman Centurion rallied from last and just missed by a neck. He is getting better with every single start. He wants every bit of the longer distances. He, they're running a mile and 16th on Saturday. Roman Centurion wants a mile and one-eighth. He wants a mile and a quarter. He will be running late, and he is a definite contender coming from out of the clouds in the San Felipe. All right, Brad Free, I couldn't let you go without talking about the Santa Anita handicap. I mean, I, I went back and, you know, it's such a historic race on the West Coast. I mean, you know, we're talking Sea Biscuit here. Um, you know, we're talking uh, in 1958 Roundtable, which, as an aside, I was going through some of my old things this week and I found a shoe that Spendthrift Farm gave me when I went down. I was doing television at the time and did a feature on Cairo and round round table just happened to be there. They brought him out. I think he was like 28 at the time or something. And, uh, the farm manager was nice enough to send me a shoe from both of them. I'm like, wow, I forgot that I had round table shoe with a picture of autograph picture of bill shoemaker, um, on the, uh, thoroughbred record, uh, with a picture, a painting of him on round table, but I digress. I digress. In other words, many, many racing greats, including uh, uh, two-time winner John Henry, have competed in this race. Uh, the field's not the biggest, but there, there's uh, two horses that have uh, really kind of uh, 
come into their own here and uh independence uh hall uh can't be ignored uh we've got uh, three horses in here making their first start uh since the rich pegasus down at gulfstream park but what do you do at maxfield the horse has never lost a race and he's going to be asked to go a distance he's never gone but i, I admire brendan walsh and godolphin saying let's go take him on it's a grade one historic race um how do you read do you think he's up against it with the shipping and some of the company he's going to meet in here well any horse that's five for five and is already a grade one winner and has really never come close to losing a race you have to respect but, John, you are correct. He faces enormous challenges. He's shipping to, to California and running over an unfamiliar surface. He is racing a mile and one quarter. This is a horse that has never gone beyond a mile and one sixteenth. He is carrying top weight of 124 pounds, and he's a horse with a history of not being able to remain sound. He's not been able to string together an extended campaign without getting hurt. This is actually his second trip to California. He was out here in 2019, and he was going to be one of the favorites in the 2019 Breeders' Cup Juvenile, but he chipped an ankle and had to scratch out of the race. He came back and won his comeback in spring, and then he was injured again. He had a consular. He came back and won the uh, minor stake at fairgrounds and then a grade three at fairgrounds. So, He's a horse that has physical issues through his career. His trainer, Brendan Walsh, talked to him yesterday at length, and he's convinced that Maxfield's problems are behind him. He's a bigger, stronger, more mature horse right now at, at age four. And, yes, I respect any horse that has yet to lose a race. But we're betting on these things, and I am not going to be betting on Maxfield at odds of eight to five. I think there are other more attractive propositions in the sanity of the handicap field than taking the favorite facing a, a ton of challenges. All right. Well, there's a lot more I want to talk to you about. I want to talk about the Frank Kilroe, but my producers tell me I'm running out of time. So let's go to the, the, the final uh, points race. It'll be Sunday, the Santa Isabel. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And once again, Baffert's got three of them, and Calypso looks like the standout. I got 30 seconds, Brad. Yeah, the Santa Isabel for three-year-old Phillies. Calypso will be favored. I think that she's going to get upset by Moraz. Moraz finished third behind Calypso last time out. Calypso was actually second. Calypso, I think, has distance limitations. Moraz is getting better. She's drawn outside. I look for Moraz to spring an upset over the favored Calypso in the Santa Isabel on Sunday. All right. Well, Brad Free, it's been way too long since I've had the chance to get you on. I'll, I'll, I'll be ringing your phone up again real soon. You continue to be well and, and stay free, free as the wind blows, okay? <laughs> Thanks for having me on, John. I look forward to talking to you again very soon. All right. Take care. That was Brad Free. Great guy covering the West Coast with the Daily Racing Forum. And uh, coming up with us here shortly, none other than Jonathan Kinchin. Uh, I went back and looked at his bio photo with a you know, buzz cut there, a good looking young man at 33. And man, he is like taken off in the, in the world of racing. Uh, he, he, he's, he's big hair, Hawaiian shirt. He's looking good. He oozes confidence. So I'm going to talk to him about his development, his comfort on camera and things like that since he, uh, you know, came out of the handicapping contest. All right. That was Brad Free. Jonathan Kitchen's coming up. 
quick break. We're getting back with Jonathan. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, back with me now, I believe, if my math is correct, I first had this gentleman on five years ago when uh, he was playing in the contest and winning them. Uh, he was a young buck, a 33 years old, um, basically known for, at that time, I think, because of his success in the contest. And since then, Jonathan Kinchin has become a household word on uh, Fox Sports uh, when uh, he he makes his appearances. Uh, he looks a little bit different than when he was 33. But the bottom line is this. He's really, in my opinion, d- developed quite a persona. As a matter of fact, they don't even call him Jonathan Kinchin. He's J.K. to everybody out there. So with no further ado, J.K., welcome back to the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it, it was feels like five years ago was an eternity. Um, but it, it's been a fun ride, and, and I feel very grateful to be, uh, be you know, where I am in this game, this game that I love, that, that I would be participating in regardless. And uh, it's, it's fun because sometimes they give me a check for it, too. <laughs> well, uh, J.K., um, did it take a while for you to get comfortable I- into your role on camera? Or was that always a part of the personality that we never really got to see? Oh, absolutely. Um, I used to get pretty nervous. Uh, you know, 
if I'm sitting at a desk with other people, I feel good. I'm talking to them, having those conversations. That that one always came pretty natural to me. The part that I had to get really used to that I really struggled with was being by myself. So um, I went to Churchill Downs a lot a couple of years. Back in 2019, I went there by myself quite a bit. And essentially, they would be talking to me in my ear. They would throw it to me, and then I would essentially talk for a minute to a minute and a half, and then I would throw it back to Greg or Lafitte, and mostly Greg at that time. And that was very hard, not like having to direct it all myself. I used to get extremely nervous about that, and like I, I used to feel like I was stepping on my words. And, and then I got really comfortable with it, um, mostly because of my boss and, and the – and the president of our TV operations, the president of Naira Betts, uh, Tony Alavado, said, take a deep breath and be yourself. Like just, and, and I just kind of started getting into that, and then it, it all kind of worked out. But, no, it, 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 it absolutely took, uh, took a little bit of adjusting. Well, uh, all I can say is you've adjusted well, and I've been there and done that, and I had a – come up you know i ended up doing a show on cbs in uh, cincinnati for almost 10 years called the stretch run and boy that those first couple of shows were rocky for me you know and then finally they just said john just be yourself look in the camera pretend you're talking to a couple of buddies ears and um, all of a sudden you get the groove and, and, and it comes to you now um as far as it looks like You've let your hair down a little bit. You're kind of known for your fashion. Uh, is this, uh, did you just kind of slowly work that in, or did you just one day say, hey, I'm not getting dressed up for this thing. I'm going to be me. Well, no, I mean, I mean, like my racetrack attire prior to TV was, was uh, you know, was I would wear T-shirts as many times as I could. And when everyone else was wearing suits, I would fake it with, like, short sleeve button-ups that had a little bit of fun and flair to them. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, even if you look back to my first NHC appearance, I had on like kind of fun short sleeve button up type shirts. And so, you know, I, I think that when, you know, Tony Alivato came to Austin, Texas and basically offered me the position to to be to be a part of the broadcast. And um, we never really talked about my dress code. And then when the first time I ever was on the show, I wore like a, I went to Santa Anita and I wore like a jacket without a tie with a kind of a, you know, fun er type of shirt, but nothing crazy. And then I just eventually just, I sent them an email like, Tony, by the way, like, can I just wear short sleeve fun shirts? And he was like, absolutely. And I was like, perfect. And then I had to deal with all the, all the flack from my, uh, from my, my, uh, my colleagues when they're dressed in suits and I'm dressed in short sleeve shirts. I have to be careful at Saratoga because it gets hot. And I, I, I want to complain, like, man, it's hot out here. But I look over at Richie Migliore or Gary Stevens or, or Greg Wolf or Lafitte Pinkai, and they have on, they have on suits. <laughs> I feel a little bit guilty. So I try to keep that to myself now. <laughs> well, that's the good thing about wearing those comfortable shirts is nobody really knows if you're sweating or not. But uh, oh, I, anyhow, I'm still a sweater no matter what. And if you ever – if here's I'm going to give your listeners a little inside information. After a race is over, if you see me on camera and it's in the middle of the show and you see me on camera and I'm sweating, that means I just lost a bet. <laughs> I'll be looking for you this summer for sure. Now, are you doing all remotes? Uh, are, you, are you with those guys? Are you doing a lot of traveling? Uh, tell us about your, your schedule and how, how it's changed your career. 
Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I think we all, uh, the last year has been tough for everyone, and, and I, I try to avoid saying the silver lining because there's just really nothing good came from what happened in the last, you know, 365 days. Actually, I think we're right around the corner from 365 days, really, uh, yes. dealing with COVID. But I think one of the things that, that at least I feel fortunate came out of it is that um, I think that our broadcast and production team realized that my role, I was able to be elsewhere. I was able to be remote. I didn't necessarily need to be there. It's great when we see Maggie in the paddock talking about how the horses look. But if I'm looking down at a piece of paper, it doesn't matter where I'm at in the world. And, and I think that Tony and Eric Donovan and, and, the, and, the, and all of our producers, um, Evan, Bobby, and Terrence, had all just kind of realized that I can do my role um, from here, which is great because, you know, traveling obviously got tough last year, and, and, and traveling is still an inconvenience in, in a normal time. And so I have a camera and these lights – and I got a bunch of equipment here at home. And so now I, I just get to do the shows from here. So this Saturday I'll be at home um, uh, without any shoes on. That's the great part, too. I don't have to put shoes on. I can just sit, uh, sit here and, and, uh, and I can do – we have an hour show on Saturday covering a bunch of derby preps. We have a three-hour – six-hour show on Sunday. I'll be on for three hours, and I get to do it from home, which works out. Um, and, and just a little bit more information is like – this is a weekend where I have my son. And in the past, I would have to try to trade or try to take him with me or, or, or even sometimes have to pass to work. And I don't have to do that anymore. He sits on the couch in his underwear eating cereal watching uh, YouTube. So it's, it's, I'm very thankful. It's a great situation. I love it. Well, listen, let's get a preview of some of those derby preps, uh, starting with uh, the uh, the Gotham at Aqueduct, a race that has uh, launched uh, many, a, many of a, a good horse uh, from Native Dancer to Secretariat. Uh, I'm not sure if any horses of those caliber are in here, but uh, I don't see a huge standout. It looks like you know, highly motivated might be the one to beat. You can't throw out uh, the upstart, upstart uh, maiden winner or a crowd, crowded tail, but then you got uh, Cape O'Kane, uh, who we know will be on the front end. Catch me if you can. And uh, Baffert's, you know, he, he's got to get out of his own way with his three-year-olds, and he decided to ship Freedom Fighter all the way to the East Coast uh, for his uh, next start for the Derby points. Yeah, you know, look, uh, I'm a big believer when Baffert puts one on the plane, uh, they're always dangerous. And, um, you know, on our podcast that we have, and even on the, on the Fox show, I always say when an East Coast turf horse goes out West, it's going to be really hard for me not to lean in that direction. And it's the same, I could be said, for West Coast dirt horses coming out East. Bob Baffert is Bob Baffert because he gets talented racehorses and he trains them hard and the cream rises to the top. It's what happens. Now, when those horses leave the West coast, they get out to the East coast. I just feel like they have an edge. They don't miss days training on the West coast because of weather. It happens obviously on the East coast and freedom fighter is extremely dangerous. He's fast. He's tactical. You mentioned Cape O'Kane making the lead. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I, I think Freedom Fighter could make the lead. What I do know is that those two are going to take a little bit of starch out of one another. Um, crowded trade, like you mentioned, for, for Clarvich Stables and Chad Brown were impressive. But 
I have a problem getting away from horses that run fast numbers as two-year-olds and are now making their first start as a three-year-old. Because we all look at the past performances, we all look at the paper, and there's a hidden jump in horses making their starts from two to three. Usually, 10, 12 buyer points. So whatever highly motivated ran last time, you can add 10 or 12 points to it just based on time, maturity, and I think highly motivated will be very difficult to beat in this spot if that happens to be the case. That'll be my top choice in here. I'll build a lot of pick five tickets, pick six tickets around highly motivated, and I'll have a little bit of some saver tickets on who I think is the speed of the speed, and that's the seven freedom fighter for Bob Baffert and Manny Franco. All right, we're talking with Jonathan Kinchin. You uh, start to see him now all the time on uh, the Fox Sports uh, racing programs. He's been talking about the the Derby preps are going to highlight in a three hour show this Saturday, and uh, I'm sure that on the menu will be the Lamb Home South Tampa Bay Derby uh, that has always seems to uh, attract Todd Pletcher with a big horse he's been pointing or two. And uh, this one even has the attention of Hall of Famer Bill Mott. Candyman Rocket won, I believe, what would be considered the major prep for the Tampa Bay Derby, the Sam F. Davis. Yeah, Candyman Rocket was impressive, uh, ran well. One of the, one of the, the, the themes I'm, I've been following, um, and not to get into the right or wrong debate, but one of the themes I've been following when it comes to these three-year-old races is uh, the, the, the fact that Lasix are not being used in all, all these prep races leading into the Derby. So you'll see horses like Candyman Rocket, who debuted without Lasix, did not run well, comes back with Lasix, runs well. And then comes back without Lasix on the stretch out and runs well, but has a significant drop in the speed figure. So you're trying to identify what is it that these horses want? How do they want to do it? I thought Candyman Rocket ran well last time. I think he's a horse that you want to consider and take serious moving forward. But I also think that in this situation, because like you mentioned, he won the prep race, he's going to be a little bit overbet in here. He's drawn towards the inside historically being on the inside at at Tampa is not exactly where you want to be. I'm going to give a horse towards the outside, a little bit of a shot. The 11 promise keeper for Todd Pletcher, Louis Saez shows up here. The only issue with this horse is he had the big performance last time in the slot. And uh, I think we all learned a lesson with hidden scroll. You have to be careful getting carried away with horses, having big performances on the slot because that could have moved them up. It's harder to make, Speed figures on those days because the tracks can be changing throughout the day. They can be getting too much water, and they, they can slow down. They can, they can start to dry out and speed up. They can change, and it makes it very hard uh, for, figure, for figures to be made. But I think Promise Keeper is very interesting. He, was, uh, he ran into Candyman Rocket sprinting down at Gulfstream. But I like Luis Saez. I like Todd Pletcher, and I like the outside draw for a tactical horse. I'm going to try to mess around with Promise Keeper a little bit in here. But don't get me wrong, I'm not tossing Candyman Rocket. Uh, It it, it looks to be a a very fun race. Well, um, oddly, the Busher Invitational is not graded, but 
it is a Kentucky Oaks race that'll be run at Aqueduct. Uh, it, it's going to be a flat mile, as you know, this time of year we get some of the horses uh, stretching out, but we got other horses have already proved that they have uh, distance ability, like the Grass is Blue, who uh, won the Busanda at, at a mile and an eighth. Um, this is a interesting race a little bit of a head scratcher here you know uh, search results was kind of impressive uh, back at Gulfstream breaking his maiden and then you got uh, Jimmy Jerkins uh, horse who without Lasix uh, up jump big time going from six furlongs to a mile with Mo desserts yeah you know it's been pretty tricky about Aqueduct and I think it's been pretty well publicized so I'm not giving away any big edge is that the inside and speed have been pretty good at Aqueduct throughout uh, uh, the last two or three, four weeks. And I think there's a lot of horses that you'll see that made had big performances out on the front end that you might want to think twice about how good that actually was. Mo Desserts being one of them, uh, Make Mischief, Miss Brazil, uh, and, and, a, and a handful of others. What I will say is that, um, uh, you know, obviously, as, as, as I've been involved in this game, I've gotten to know a lot of people and a lot of friends that are in the game. And I heard a long time ago that Tony Dutrow absolutely loves Miss Brazil, and it's the best two-year-old they've had in a long time, and she's lived up to it in her last couple of starts. Being drawn on the inside, is it could be an advantage for her if the racetrack continues to play the way that it has. I would take a look at the races on Friday. I would look at the undercard on Saturday, and I would identify, find the head-ons. And, I, and, and I, in fact, a lot of ADWs, you can watch the head-on at Aqueduct. They, they provide that feed. Watch horses that are on the inside, and if they run well and you don't think they should, then you can start to get an idea of maybe that's where you want it to be. Miss Brazil, if the inside's good, she's going to be tough to beat. However... Search Results is one of those horses who ran extremely well on January 3rd, early in the three-year-old year, ran a nice number that day, did it the right way after missing the break and, and being wide and all of these other things. And it's Chad. And, and Chad's been a little bit quiet to start the year, but something tells me, something tells me that Saturdays might be a little bit of a Chad Brown reminder uh, of how good he is uh, party. And, and I think search results could be a part of that. So search results will be my top choice in here, trying to beat uh, the two horses that I think got, got it the way they wanted in Miss Brazil and Mo Desserts. But if rail horses are winning on Friday and they're winning early on Saturday, Miss Brazil is going to be very, very hard to beat. Great information from a great handicapper, uh, Jonathan Kinchin. Um, my uh, producer tells me I'm, I'm closing in on post time. Um, I, I know that you've been doing prep for uh, your show on Fox this Saturday. Uh, when, when do you think it's going to air? When can we see you live and in person uh, from your home barefoot uh, on, on Saturday, Jonathan? <laughs> Yeah, barefoot. That, I'm just keeping it. I'm keeping it PG. Sometimes I don't even wear pants. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, I think we're on from. I, I, we actually have an hour show on Saturday. I think we're on from five to six Eastern, if I'm not mistaken, on uh, either FS1 or FS2. I always tell people to watch it on YouTube. It, you never get interrupted. It's very easy on YouTube. Um, but we are. Uh, we're on from five to six. I think we have the. Oh, man, I want to say we have the uh, – I got the email right in front of me. I'll just tell you what we got. We got the Gotham, the Tampa Bay Derby, San Felipe, and the last at Aqueduct from 5 to 6 Eastern on Saturday. 
Well, that should be an action-packed hour for sure. Uh, all I can say, Jonathan, it, it, they, I really appreciate you coming back on the show. It's been great watching your career blossom. And uh, just keep doing what you're doing and be a regular guy. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right, Jonathan Kinchin, uh, our second guest, our first Brad Free from the Daily Racing Forum. As you heard, we got racing galore this weekend. If you're having a hard time following on, we'll make it easy for you. Go to winningponies.com, pull down your easy win forms. For my producer, Josh, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.